Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Time Warp. It's been about a month and we do apologise for that, but as you can imagine, I don't think any of us have had the appetite to sit down and record one of these after the 2021 we've had so far. So just to bring you up to speed since the last time we did record a podcast, it was after that Sheffield United defeat and Newcastle have continued their sparkling run of form with even more defeats. Yes, Steve Bruce is still in charge of the club, but there is a new coach who is definitely not the manager definitely not the manager but a big reason why Newcastle have had a bit of an upturn in form is through those two promising wins against Everton and Southampton that did seem to relax those relegation jitters almost slightly right until Fulham grabbed seven points in a week then Newcastle lost their best player in Callum Wilson which has meant that we are now just three points clear of the bottom three as we head into another monumental weekend of football and up next for the Magpies is a clash with an informed Wolves side at St James's Park I'm your host, Harry Roy, and today I'm joined by my fellow NUFC Vavil office writers, Dan Wright and Alex Wood. We've also got a guest today. We're going to be checking in with our Wolves editor, Josh Holland, to get the view from Molyneux ahead of Saturday night's game. But before we get to the weekend, boys, what have we made of this torrid 2021 and not just the pandemic, but the football as well? Results aside, I actually am one of the only Newcastle United fans that um, actually think this is a real positive term. And completely results aside, because as you said in the opening bit, results haven't gone our way at all, lads. But what I would definitely say is the football that we've been playing is some of the best that we've played in a hell of a long time. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I agree that the performances have been better, but I think we've been playing so bad that we're coming in looking at this going, wow, we're pressing teams. We're trying to keep the ball. Like 19 out of the 20 Premier League teams already did that. 
Like yeah. we're doing the basics now, and it's it could be too late. But I th- I think the Everton game and the Southampton game has given me personally enough confidence to think that we will have enough to stay in the division. Has there been a slight overreaction to the results as of recent? Because you've got to realise that Newcastle have had a really tough run in, albeit the Crystal Palace defeat was disappointing and we should have won, but they're a specialist side in grinding games out. They're a lot like us last season. The Leeds game was another one where I thought we should have got a point out of, but Everton and Southampton are two top 10 sides in my eyes, and to get six points out of that, I think is really good. And the last two games we've had Chelsea and Man United, them games don't define your season in my eyes. So, boys, what what are we thinking? Has there been an overreaction just because Fulham have, have picked up results against relegation fodder? I'm not entirely sure it's an overreaction of the performances, but when you look at the run and it's off the top of my head, I think we've lost eight of the last ten games or something like that. That's why people are maybe be seen as overreacting because the performance against Man United in particular for the first half, I thought was really good. We pressed them really high. They looked really nervous with the ball at their feet and they kept doing it like playing from the back and we looked really quite dangerous pressing them. Yeah. And that's that's what we want, but I don't know, like I feel like it's harsh to accuse people of overreacting when we are in the situation we're in. Like we were 10 po- we've been pretty much 10 points clear of the bottom 3 all season and now we find ourselves 3. Everyone's panicking and I think it's fair enough to panic cuz I'm panicking myself. I think it's an overreaction in terms of the this is like panic stations, I think that's the that's the overreaction we've been having. Not the fact that Newcastle seasons turned around or Newcastle's this, Newcastle's that, Newcastle's the other because it hasn't. Um, as Dan said, there eight of the last ten we've lost. We haven't drawn any of them. We haven't done anything like that. Yes, it would have been disappointing to pick up at least a point to Palace or a point to Leeds or even a point to United, but they they didn't. They turned into L's instead of draws. So when you look back at the the season, there isn't an overreaction in terms of, right, yeah, the performances have been great, so Newcastle are going to be fine. It's an overreaction in terms of, well, they haven't picked up any points, so they're going to get relegated. That's the overreaction, I think. Well, you touched on it perfectly there, Alex, and there's not been enough draws. I remember, I'm sure you will all know about the last relegation season and Sunderland pipping us to the post to survive. Mm -hmm. We all know how that ended up in the end, so it's fine. But I remember under Big Sam, they didn't win every week, but they picked up draws. And yeah. Fulham are starting to do that now. I've noticed they're drawing nigh on. You know, if they're not if they're not winning, they're picking up a point here, there, and everywhere. And it's the same with Brighton, picking up draws. Newcastle don't draw. The last draw was against Liverpool. Uh, uh, I mean, we should have lost that game. We managed to grind ourselves a point, but I just think that even yeah. if we have that favourable running compared to the likes of Fulham and the likes of Burnley, who are going to start playing tougher sides after this weekend, I just worry now that the defence. And especially the defence, isn't it, really? That's that's the problem. We're not keeping goals out. And we don't have our man up front in Callum Wilson, who's out for six weeks now. And take, I think we scored forty percent of our goals this season. You take that out of a side and it's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna ruin you, isn't it? Yeah, massively. Um you touched on briefly the defence there and I think we are seriously lacking in the full back areas and it's so abundantly clear that if the opposition wingers got anything about them, they will have a field day because Jamal Lewis and Emil Kraft defensively just come across incredibly naive yeah. and it leaves great big gaping holes. Like Look at the first goal Manchester United scored. Ra- Rashford beat him with a bit of skill, allowed him to catch up with him, then beat him again. That shouldn't oh, be happening. No. It's just horrendous and I'd, really, I'd struggle to find a worse pair of fullbacks in the league at the minute. 
this is actually really rare and it, it's normally the flip side of it online and stuff where um, I'm the I'm the negative Nancy and, and you guys are trying to find the positive areas. This is really amazing. Um, I, 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 like, it, it's really surprising for me. I actually don't think we'll go down at all. Like I don't, I, I don't think that um, we are we are in danger of going down. Of course, because uh, as as you just said there, Harry Callum Wilson scoring something like forty percent of our goals and he's out for six weeks. But I think there are four or five teams in this in this league that are worse than us. Um, like you've mentioned, Palace are a specialist side. You've mentioned Burnley have got a really tough run of games. Fulham, yeah, they've started picking uh, picking themselves up. And obviously Brighton, Brighton are, ne- are one of the weirdest teams in the league. Like they should have absolutely swept Palace aside. They had something like twenty-five shots against Crystal Palace and ended up losing two-one. I mean, you're right there about teams. I don't think there's five teams worse than us in the league. And if Newcastle do stay up this season, it will be seventeenth. I'm pretty sure of that. But I'm just having a look at Fulham. Uh, their, their, their recent fixtures and they have picked up a lot of draws that I did touch on before. But they drew nil-nil with Brighton. Right, two points dropped there. They need to be winning those games. Same with West Brom, drew two two. So they've dropped. They've dropped four points there. They drew with West Ham, good result. Beat Everton, good result. But again, they drew with Burnley. Newcastle have still got to play. I think all of those sides within yeah. the next coming weeks. And Fulham have picked up one point there, two, three, four. They picked up seven points out of a possible. I think it's like eighteen. That's not survival form. I know a lot of people no. are getting worried about Fulham and seem to think that they're on some sort of tear now because they've picked up seven points in a week, which is all fun and games. But other than the result against Everton, I'm not overly worried about their form. I'm sure you'll have watched the game against Sheffield United. I didn't think they were great, to be honest. But they attacked them yeah. and, and they got the job done. So what's your opinions? Do we think we'll stay up this season? And if it isn't Newcastle to go down, who do we think will go down with West Brom and Sheffield United? Well, yeah, Fulham, I mean, the way you look at Twitter, you'd think, on our fans, you'd think they're like 2009 Barcelona, but they've won four <laughs> games all season. Yeah. The, those draws you're on about, they have picked up draws where we haven't, but they should have won those games. I agree with both of you, actually. I, I do generally think Newcastle will stay in the division. It's a lot closer than we would have liked, but I think we'll stay in the division. And I think it will be Fulham, just because look at their running. I can't see them winning a lot of games. They might pick up a point but or two, but I... And Brighton, I, Brighton I are a weird still, one. I think Brighton, Brighton are a weird one. I think Alex said Brighton are such a weird team. They seem to play very well but get no reward whatsoever. I think they'll win a few games. I, I think it'll be between us and Brighton for 17th, but I think Fulham will go down. I'm going to enter a sneaky third, and I think it, I think it'll be Burnley. Oh, I agree with you as well. If it's not Newcastle, it'll be Burnley. I agree with you. I really do. I, 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 Sean Dash has been so magnificent for that side and he, he really has done a, a, a fabulous job and probably will keep his job if they do go down. But I, I cannot see them scoring a lot of goals. Like For Newcastle, yeah, that, that's also going to be a problem for us. But we've got goals coming from midfield, potentially with Miguel Almiron playing out of his skin. Alan St. Maximin always capable of a, a, a moment of magic. And then if Dwight Gale or Andy Carroll hits a patch of form, boom, uh, we could survive. But I don't know where goals are coming from in that Burnley team. Like uh, Ashley Barnes and um, the other one who, whose name I'm completely blanking on right now. Um, Chris Wood. Chris Wood, is that, that's it. Chris Wood, um, they haven't been what they were last season. Um, and yeah, I, I can't see where the goals are going to come from. No, I agree. Burnley are horrendous. They're awful to watch, but they are well organised. And I've been saying Burnley have been going down for the last few years, but somehow they always 
just seem to win enough games. Sean Dyche will get something out of them. It'll be horrible. It'll be horrible to watch, but I, that's why I didn't include them when I was going through the options. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from because they do grind out those 1-0 wins, mm-hmm. don't they? They're just here, there and everywhere. Yeah. But I'm just having a look at their running as well. They've got Spurs uh, on Sunday. Then they, they've got Leicester. Then mm-hmm. Arsenal. Then Everton. Then Southampton. Then Newcastle. Then they play Man United, Wolves, West Ham, Fulham, Leeds, Liverpool, Sheffield United. They've got some really, really tough games. But they've got a six-point buffer at Fulham. So unless mm-hmm. Fulham go on some magnificent run of form, and I'm not convinced by them, like I've said before, They've got Crystal Palace on Saturday. I think if they lose that game, they're in deep, deep trouble, regardless of whether Newcastle win against Wolves. Yeah, I completely agree with you. That is the only result that I can see them picking up there is against us. Like Sheffield United. <laughs> against us. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say us. And there, there really isn't, there isn't a lot of things there. Maybe the Spurs game. The Spurs game is a huge turning point, not only for... Um, Tottenham season but for Burnley's season there as well because um, Spurs have lost something like three out of their last five in the league which is not what they're supposed to be doing and not a Jose Mourinho side but if Burnley do lose that game then they're in a downward spiral because of the fixtures that you've just said there Fulham they've got this little bit of momentum because Scott Parker's the man and he's the <laughs> messiah he's one of them and uh, like he's that guy that is a really good man manager maybe not tactical tactically but the boys really like him and he's a really good coach and everything like that he's he's there graham jones but i know I, I i can't see it. I, I think it is going to have to be burnley like if fulham pick up a, any sort of points just randomly and magically then it is yeah it's going to be really really tight down there but it's it's always better when the relegation fights better than the title race oh no well, i'm just looking at newcastle's fixtures uh once again i've been looking over this for the past few days as you can tell i've got nothing else to be doing with me deals other than worrying <laughs> about my football club being in the championship next season but we've got wolves of course on saturday then we go to wait to west brom home to aston villa then away to brighton those four games will define newcastle's season if we don't win any of them uh we're doomed in, in my eyes i'm sure yeah. you guys will agree but that, that takes us on to my next topic steve bruce he's still here he's still in charge there is no appetite, it seems, from Mike Ashley or Lee Charnley to get rid of Steve Bruce. But my question is, is it not too late to sack him now? Because let's say if we, we don't win those next four games, then we get rid of him. We're heading into our tough end of the season. We've got the likes of Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester, Man City to play. If they're going to get rid of Steve Bruce, does it have to be within within the next week, really? To be honest, I remember... Was it, it was either the podcast after Sheffield United or the one before. And I was saying, like, you just want the club to be proactive. Yes, we've got a 10-point buffer now, but we all know what's going to happen. Unfortunately, we've been proved right. Yeah. But then was the time to act. Give the new manager a buffer. Say we got rid of... Even if we got rid of him today, appointed someone today, the pressure's massive immediately. Yeah. And he's got to meet, get know the players, everything. And it, he, we have left it too late now. If, if we do it now, it would be a complete roll of a dice. Like, you wouldn't... There's no real thing to say it would go any better than it's going at the minute. Whereas if we should have done it a while back, and I'm not, I'm not surprised we didn't. But he's, he's not going to go unless we're in the bottom three and we're like a bit adrift and they really get desperate. And at that point, it will be too late. It's too late now. I think even Benitez couldn't keep Newcastle up with ten games, with a no, with a yeah, nice exactly. with a nice running as well. I mean, I think he played Sunderland, Norwich, Swansea, Palace. Yeah. Don't really have that this time round. And if they are going to act, I imagine it will be when we're in the bottom three, which could be as soon as Saturday. 
which takes us uh, up to our game at the weekend. We play Wolverhampton Wanderers at St. James's Park. Something I did briefly touch on earlier is that we have got a guest this week. I caught up earlier with Vavil's Wolves editor Josh Holland to get their side's point of view ahead of the two teams meeting at St. James's Park on Saturday night. So we're going to jump to that now. If all's gone well with the editing, uh, you should have been joined by Harry from the past now. At Vavil, we do like to keep things in-house, and today we have a guest on. I'm joined by our Wolverhampton Wanderers editor, Josh Holland, who is going to give us the lowdown and all things in the Wolves camp ahead of Saturday's clash at St. James's Park. But before we really even touch on the game on Saturday, Josh, how good is it just to see Raul Jimenez back in training? Yeah, I think all round for the club, the, the players and the fans, it's a um, it's pleasing news to see. Even I think the video got released on a Monday, and I think the season that Wolves have had, it's been a bit of a topsy turvy season. So seeing that video alone would have put a lot of smiles on Wolf fans' faces. I think I think I tweeted it. One of the things that I found interesting is that he's training right next to the um, first team. So even though he's not training with them, he's training alongside them. And like you can see people like um, Johnny Castro, Nelson Semedo, and even William Jose like looking at him, smiling at him and having a conversation with him. So I think all round that'll do wonders for the um, squad itself and for the fans, it'll just keep a bit of positivity going into the summer. Because Wolves have struggled without him really, haven't they? And they were actually at risk of being sucked into an unlikely relegation battle, especially after that defeat to uh, the local rivals, should I say, West Brom. But the wins against Arsenal and Southampton in particular have kind of waved away any worries of, of relegation. So what's your thoughts on Wolves' season as a whole? Because it's not really hit the dizzy heights of those seventh place finishes that we've associated with Wolves ever since their promotion to the Premier League. Yeah, I think the West Brom defeat was pretty the lowest point of Wolves' return to the Premier League in the past three years. But I think you look at that, we had the um, 1-0 win over Chorley in the Cup, which was, uh, even then, I don't know if you watched it, but Chorley was unlucky not to get anything out of that yeah. game. And then Jose comes in and then they drew draw to Chelsea. They lose narrowly to Palace. And since February has been an amazing month for them, really. I think the Arsenal wins, the Southampton win and the Leeds win. Even though you'd argue say against, against Leeds, they were lucky. And Arsenal, the referee, helped massively with them getting a win. The performances have been a lot better. And I think maybe a month ago, you'd go into Newcastle away worried. But I think right now, the Wolves players, staff and fans will all be a bit more confident than they would have been a month ago. Well, you talk about confidence and one young man that really has stepped up since the absence of Jimenez has been Pedro Neto. I've seen a few of Wolves games this season, especially that that one against Southampton. The goal he scored was unbelievable. Just how good has he been this season for Wolves? Yeah, there's always one one player in a team that's always surfing in mid-table that stands out. I think like my person for Newcastle would be St. Um, Maximum, is it? Yeah. I think he's... He's similar to Neto. I think he always stands out whenever I see Newcastle play. But I think last season he didn't really get as much time as he would have wanted with Diego Yotta playing. But I think this season he's been lows better. And I think between him and Traore, maybe Neto just edging it for being Wolves' best player. I think he's got similar traits to how Cristiano Ronaldo was when he first came wow. to England. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the only person who said that. So it shouldn't be that much of a, um, a shock yeah. for the listeners. But... I do think he's got a lot to learn still. I think every time Nuno gets asked about him in the press conference, he's always eager to make sure that he doesn't get ahead of himself. But he did an interview with The Athletic not too long ago and he seems very down to earth. His English is, is brilliant. So I think that helps with the players like Connor Cody and John Ruddy, who, because them two are the biggest leaders at the club. I think them two leading him and then his English being really good has helped his transformation this season. What's your thoughts on Nuno? Because it's been a bit of a sticky situation for him really because 
technically Wolves are underperforming despite only being seven points off the off the European spots. What's the feeling down there with him? Do they still want him in charge? Is everybody still behind him? It's it's hard to really gauge from up here what the situation is surrounding him because it, from my eyes, he's still a top manager and he's been without his the best player for the whole season. Yeah, I, I don't. I think with some fans, you get like when, especially after the Arbin defeat, a lot of fans were a bit. He should walk. He should keep his pride of what he's done so far. But I think the journalists around the club and the actual club itself. Don't think of it as any way of he should he he's anywhere near to leaving. I know that I think after the Palace defeat, there was a rumor going around that he was going to get sacked, and I spoke to someone at the club, and they immediately squashed it, said that there was no truth in it whatsoever. So I think you get, I think every club's got them sort of fans that want a manager out as yeah. soon as a, a defeat comes. But I don't I think the saying of it's not all, the grass is not always green on the other side. That's very common with Wolves at the moment. I think. They could wish for Nuno to be out, and then at the minute you look at the managers who are unemployed, there's not many who are going to come in and do as good at, at Wolves than Nuno's done. So, I think I think he'll be disappointed with how the season's gone. But I think you're looking at the injuries to Jimenez, the loss of um, Doggerty, Yotta, and then the lack of goals. It's been labelled a transition year, but I don't I don't think Nuno will be too pleased with it. But I think looking at February, he's on course to win Manager of the Month if he wins on Saturday. So. What's your thoughts on the game on Saturday then? It's certainly a bigger game, I would say, for Newcastle than it is for Wolves. I mean, every game for us now is a cup final, should we say. And <laughs> So how do you see the game going? Because Wolves are the better side. They should win, but they do have injuries. I think really Bolly's out. Obviously, Jimenez won't play. I think Daniel Pedence is an, another man not available. So St. James's Park can be a, a tough place to come, but I think Wolves have, have won nearly on every season. Uh, even in the Championship, I think they won 2-0. I was there. That was a that was an awful day. But Wolves have had some good luck in the North East. Do you see that run continuing on Saturday night? Yeah, I do. I, I, I do, but at the same time, it would not surprise me if Newcastle did st- um, steal it with a 1-0 win. I do I do think Newcastle are probably better than some of the teams down there, in my opinion, especially following West Brom, Sheffield United. So, yeah. I do think... I watched the, the Manchester United game and I think you were pretty unlucky to come away with that were a 3-1 defeat. I so know. I do think on the day they're good, but um, I think I saw a stat before before I came on that there's never been a clean sheet between these two teams in the Premier League. So, so it's definitely going to be nil-nil then. <laughs> yeah, nil-nil. I think on a Wolves side, it'd be, it'd be positive to get another clean sheet because that's something that they've been trying to get in. But I think, if it because obviously European football is not off the cars for Wolves. Like no. still on, and they've got that European um, Conference League coming in next season, haven't they? So that's still... Yeah. A potential for them. I don't think anyone at the club would say no to European football, and especially because it need make it three three years in a row. So they've got to be looking at this, thinking, yeah, we've got to we've got to get a win here. I think after this, they've got Man City away, Villa away, then Liverpool at home in March, which is no. And then I think after that, they've still got West Ham in April. So the the fixtures coming up are not the most easiest for Wolves. So they'd be looking to end February here, February here with a win. So, what's your prediction on the game? We always like to get a prediction whenever we have anybody on. So, what are you thinking? I think it will be 2-1, but I've got a feeling it'll be 3-1 to Wolves. That's good for me. Well, that's not good for me. It's absolutely horrendous for me. <laughs> <laughs> the interview is great, though. Thanks very much for your time, Josh. Cheers. No worries. Back with Harry from the future now. And had a good chat with Josh. You boys wouldn't have heard it, of course, but I can assure you that he did speak well. I forgot to plug the Wolves Vavil podcast. It's called Inside Molyneux. I'm appearing on there this week to preview the game for them and the chances are it's probably out before this one as I'm a bit slow on the editing front so please do go and check that out. Josh was reasonably confident about Wolves' chances against us. I mean, who wouldn't? 
He went with a 2-1 or a 3-1 win. So, lads, the question is, does he have every right to be confident about Wolves? They went through a, a small period of dips and dives where they were really negative after the Val Jimenez injury and um, like they weren't really scoring a lot of goals and there was a lot of pressure on um, their wonder kid Fabio Silva and it, it, was, it wasn't going really right for Wolves and a lot of people were saying, is it time for Nuno Espirito Santo to go? And is it time for this to happen? Is it time for that to happen? When all, in fact, the Wolves team needed was time and they've bounced back. They've got a couple of key men back. Um, Connor Cody's found his form again. Rui Patricio has actually decided to learn how to save balls again. So they're, they're, they're actually good. The only thing that is problematic for Wolverhampton Wanderers and has been all season is they have a fullback issue. Bit like us then. Yeah. They cannot deal with fast, tricky players like us, like Newcastle United. So it will be a battle between Adama Traore and Pedro Neto and whether Ryan Fraser plays on that wing or... Almiron plays on that wing and Alan St. Maximum plays on the other. It will be a battle between those four players. And whoever of those four players plays better will win the game, in my opinion. So do you think, Alex, that we should start Fraser, St. Maximum and Almiron just to kind of get at those fullbacks? Yes, but the way that I would play the team is I'd always play a 4 2 3 1 and have um, Miggy sitting behind the, the main striker and just a lap, arriving a little bit late for his first time drive that he, he's scored all of his goals from pretty much um, and then just allowing Alan St. Maximin and Fraser freedom on both wings to do exactly what they want and obviously track back and defend but that's just how I would set us up it's not realistic or pragmatic um, because most likely we'll have Jeff Hendrick on the right hand of midfield um, so that oh, we can no. defend against Pedro Neto that's most likely <laughs> yeah Josh talked about Pedro Neto and he said um, he's the real bright spark and what comes to surprise to me is that he did compare uh, Pedro Neto to Cristiano Ronaldo when he was at Man United and I was like whoa he, he did see he did see around saying I'm not the only person that said that so I'm not crazy but I did watch him against Southampton that goal he scored was brilliant and he has been their their bright spark so Emil Kraft against Pedro Neto does that give you sleepless nights yes big time <laughs> he's a, he's a very good player they've got a good squad Wolves actually like they they shouldn't have ever been in any any danger but I suppose the injury to their talisman hit them I think. I, I'm worried about this game because I think stylistically it could be a bit of a nightmare because every time I watch Wolves, they're quite happy to sit back. They're quite counter-attacking themselves and that's what we try to do. And if they sort of, if Newcastle have the ball, that is when we are most likely to concede because yeah. we're just rubbish with the ball. It's a lack of practice because we rarely have it. We saw against Palace, there was no ideas how to break Crystal Palace down. And I think it really could be a problem for us if we're expected to have more of the ball than we're used to. I think it's less than less than an 80% pass accuracy the entire team has. <sighs> That's wow. awful. Which, yeah, it's terrible. Which is, which is horrific in a Premier League football team. Like it, it, on paper, it sounds really quite good that seven of, seven of ten passes go where they're supposed to. But when <laughs> seven of your ten passes are, are ten yards, that should be nine of ten, shouldn't it? Like We can do seven of ten passes can go ten yards. Yeah. Uh, but when you're a Premier League football team and you you have passes of the ball that are exquisite or that cannot do anything and you're unimaginative like Newcastle are, then counter-attacking is the only way. And as Dan said there, rightly, Wolves are one of the best counter-attacking teams in the Premier League. They've got so much pace going forward and they can hit you really disgustingly, whether it's Neto or Traore, because 
you have Ruben Neves that can hit any ball on the planet. I think one good thing heading into this game is that we've got Federico Fernandez potentially back in the starting mm-hmm. lineup. I think he's our best defender we've got. I think we've missed him so much. But another player that is set to finally come back into the side is Martin Dubravka. Carl Darlow, I tip my hat off to him if I was wearing one. He's been fantastic this season. But I think we've it, it's run its course now with, with Darlow. He's been brilliant. But at the end of the day, we're coming into the business end of the season and we need our number one between the sticks. Alex, I know you wanted to touch on Dubravka. Happy to see him back potentially in the starting lineup. Yeah, I think I, I definitely think it's time now. Um, I, I've been a Carl Darlow enthusiast all season. Right, whenever he makes a save, I, I, you'll frequently see it on Twitter that I, I'll tweet in all capitals, Carl Darlow for England. <laughs> um, but the form he sustained early on in the season has been uh, was incredible. He was the the leader in Premier League shots saved for. 12 weeks of the season, which again is, is no mean feat for any goalkeeper or anything, but yeah, now that Dubravka is fit and especially after the Manchester United game and uh, a couple of poor conceded goals even in the Chelsea game, I, I think it may be time for a switch. It, it is really harsh, like he's, he's he's not done anything wrong really, he's made a no, few mistakes here and there, but like... So did Dubravka last season? Yeah, it's a, yeah tr- very true, I think you've got, to, you've got to make harsh decisions when it's at the benefit of the team and I think we all kind of we I've not been convinced with Darlow claiming crosses at one point all season. Like he flaps at a hell of a lot, and I think that is the area for me where I would I'm all for Debrafa coming in because they're both fine shot stoppers in my opinion. So heading into the game on Saturday, uh, another cup final. That's what I said to Josh. Every game is a cup final for Newcastle at this point. Just want to get your predictions, Alex. I'm going to go with you first. What do you think? Two no Wolves. Oh dear. Optimistic. Dan? I am going to be I'm gonna be a bit more optimistic. I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. I think we'll get a draw. Josh said that um, I don't think there's been a goalless draw between Newcastle and Wolves for a long, long time. So in that case, I'm going to go with the tried and trusted 0-0 draw for this one. <laughs> I think it's best that we end the podcast uh, on a bit of a positive note, something you wouldn't associate with Newcastle United. No, it's not the takeover. That's probably not going to happen, but we'll, we'll get into that in another week. But the prospect of Euro 2021, or should I say Euro 2020, looks like it's going to be hosted in England, which is just fantastic news for everybody involved. And of course, the, the topic has come up of where the games are going to be hosted. If this is the case, boys, what do you think of the prospect of having games at St. James's Park? You have to have it. You have to have games at St. James's Park. If, if you are playing a Euros in England, you cannot go away from any northeast influence and the it is sad to say that Newcastle itself hasn't been improved or anything like that but the stadium is one of the top six biggest stadiums in the country and if you're going to do socially distanced crowds and reduce crowd percentages you're still going to get what 30,000 people inside a ground yeah I would say so yeah. I think it's a good way to end the podcast there on a bit of a Bit of a nicer note than the uh, doom and gloom that is Newcastle United. But this has been Time Warp, brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United, as well as the Premier League, the EFL, and of course the Champions League. From us three lads, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.